In a little while you won't see me anymore, but a little while after that you will see me again. Some of the disciples asked each other, What does he mean when he says, In a little while you won't see me, but then you will see me, and I am going to the Father? And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it, so he said, Are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said, In a little while you won't see me, but a a little while after that you will see me again. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy, because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request, because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. I have spoken these matters in figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly, because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. Then his disciples said, At last you are speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything and there's no need to question you. From this we believe that you came from God. Jesus asked, Do you finally believe? But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when you will be scattered, each one going in his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I think it would be fair to say that uh, current events over the last days, weeks, even months um, have thrown a lot of us off balance. Um, have, have caused us to, to have fear and anxiety. Um, as of recording this sermon, the election results still aren't in, and I don't know if they will be by the, the time you're watching this on Sunday morning, um, or if we're going to have to wait um, days or weeks longer. And for some, the, the election results might um, cause you to to feel a release of your anxiety, and for others it will only increase your anxiety. But what is true for all of us is that 2020 has shown us just how little control we all have over things and circumstances that feel like they have so much control over our lives. Jesus' disciples in this passage that we read this morning um, 
are facing a time of, of upheaval and circumstances that were far outside of their control. They would be facing an upcoming three days um, where they witness the, the arrest and execution of their Lord, um, where they abandon their, their leader, their teacher, and in turn feel abandoned by him. Um, and then as Jesus describes, their joy would be turned, their, their sorrow would be turned to joy at his resurrection. But even then, they were going to face great trials and sorrows. Um, that even after Jesus's resurrection, after he returns to the Father, they were going to be facing a difficult season ahead. A time filled with persecution, them fleeing their homes, um, arrests, rejection by family and the community, scapegoats of an empire, um, almost every one of his disciples being executed. And knowing all of this, knowing that, that his disciples were gonna face circumstances that they could not control, circumstances that would, would fill most normal people with fear, anxiety, dismay for the future, uh, Jesus speaks these words to them about um, the, the in-between time that they would be facing. The three days between his arrest and his resurrection, the, and also the in-between time between his first coming on the earth and his second coming. And he speaks of a fact that, that during this time of trial and sorrow, he gives a promise of peace, a peace for the in-between. We still live in an in-between, an in-between of ages. This, this present age that we're living in in the world, this present age that's passing away, and a new age that is even now here and coming. The kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God inaugurated in Jesus. And we live in this, this overlap of the ages where one hasn't fully passed away and the other hasn't fully come. And we see the fruit of the passing away age all around us in the trials and the sorrows that Jesus referenced. Uh, we see it in the, the pain of the world all around us, the, the grotesque fruit of a passing away age. And in his parting words to his followers, Jesus in one breath says we can have peace and in the next warns that there will be great times of trouble ahead. And so how? How are we to have peace in the midst of the in-between time when there is sorrow and pain? If we are supposed to be a people of God who do not fear, who aren't anxious about anything, who have peace beyond understanding, if Jesus promised his followers peace, then why do we so often feel the exact opposite? Why have the circumstances of the past days, months, and years caused so much anxiety within us? How are we supposed to have peace in the midst of everything that's going on in the world around us? 
And I think we we try in a couple of different ways. We try to to obtain peace, to hold on and grasp this peace a couple of different ways. Um, some of us try to, to gain this peace, to obtain this promise by controlling things, uh, by controlling ourselves, by controlling the people around us, by trying to control the circumstances around us. We see what's wrong in the world and we try to control it, try to tame the chaos. We maybe read articles and watch videos, go to rallies, post memes, get into Facebook arguments with people we haven't seen in years. We try to convince our parents or our kids of their faulty ways of thinking and seeing the world, all to very mixed results. And maybe for some of us, our, our anxiety isn't around uh, politics or world events, but our anxiety is um, a sense of chaos in our own personal lives and relationships. And so we also work to, to try to control those circumstances and those relationships and the people around us. We think if only we do the right things and try hard enough and think of every possible outcome that we can somehow tame the chaos, but our efforts leave us feeling even more anxious than ever because we, we crumble under the weight of the world on our shoulders. And while some of us try to control everything to gain peace, others of us tend to ignore things to find peace. Some of us look around and we see that that our individual efforts obviously aren't good enough to make a difference. Um, and so why even try? And so we hide away dealing with our anxiety, um, maybe by self-medicating, um, maybe by, by checking out. We, we retreat into a, a sense of, of fatalism as an escape from getting involved in something that we feel we don't have a hope of actually changing. We try to just let other people figure out the problems in the world or even the problems in our own life because we feel that, that they're more qualified and capable anyway. So we ignore, we self-medicate, we abdicate responsibility all in an effort to find this peace that Jesus promised, to, to calm, an effort to calm the fears that we keep trying to outrun. But ultimately, neither of these options actually leave us feeling at peace. Doom scrolling and frantically retweeting articles and, and trying to prove our viewpoint um, and, and change the minds of people around us hasn't brought us peace. Trying to control events hasn't brought us peace. But also burying our heads in the sand didn't actually give us true peace either. So what is the answer? How do we find peace in the in-between? When all is not yet right in the world, when the promise of Jesus that, behold, I am making all things new, isn't fully realized yet, how are we supposed to have any sense of peace when the world around us seems so wrong? I believe Jesus gives the answer here at the, the end of, of John chapter 16. He gives the answer to our failed efforts at finding peace. 
to, to both groups, the controllers and the ignorers, those who throw ourselves into changing the world and those who hide away waiting for fate to take its course. Jesus offers these words. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. To the controllers, you aren't the ones doing the overcoming. Jesus is. It's not on your shoulders. It's on Jesus's. You can be at peace because Jesus has overcome. And to the ignorers, Jesus confronts us with the truth. You will have trouble. You don't need to ignore or hide away or deny. You can face whatever comes. And in Jesus, you can have peace. I have overcome the world. Jesus has conquered. He is victorious. The culmination of the world's history, all that is wrong, has been overcome. He has disarmed the ruler of this world. He has destroyed all that is in opposition to him. He reigns and has all authority. In 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 24, we read that after that, the end will come when he will return will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And then it goes on to say, Then when all things are under his authority, the Son will put himself under God's authority so that God, who gave his Son authority over all things, will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. Utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. Jesus has accomplished this with his death. The battle has been won. The world and evil, though they still continue their attack, they are fighting a battle that the outcome has already been written. And all who are in Christ share in his victory, share in his overcoming. We can take heart and be courageous and be at peace. For we know that Christ is triumphant and evil has been vanquished. And when the fullness of his kingdom is here, there will be no more fruit of the passing away age. So what does this mean for us? How, how does this help us to, to have peace? How does this victory bring us peace in the midst of chaos? Well, for the, the controllers, those who would raise their hands and say that, that yes, when I am anxious and fearful, when the world seems out of control, um, I try to gain control. Jesus has overcome and not you. So even when all hell breaks loose, God is still in control. He is still working his purposes on this earth and we can face whatever comes and find peace even though we don't have control even for the things we cannot change we can have peace because we know Christ is supreme over even that even when all our best efforts fail and are dwarfed by the size of the world's needs around us we can be courageous and take heart because Jesus has overcome 
as we keep our eyes on Jesus, remembering the ultimate future. And this viewpoint will change the way we experience pain in this world. The current pain of this world is going to be transformed into joy as the fullness of God's kingdom unfolds around us. The vision that that John writes about in, in Revelation is of a new heavens and a new earth descending and a voice declaring, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Keeping our eyes on this reality, keeping our eyes on Jesus victorious, transforms our understanding of our current reality. In in this chapter, John chapter 16, Jesus described it this way with the, an analogy of the pain of childbirth being totally transformed uh, by the, the eventual birth of a child. The reality is that if, if I go into labor and I don't know that I am pregnant, if I don't know the outcome, Um, the pain that I'm experiencing is going to feel um, like I'm dying. It is going to feel like something is horribly wrong. Um, It is going to cause me to feel that this pain will never end and that there is no hope. But if I know the ending, that new life is coming, then I can endure just about anything. When, when, my, uh, my first was born, my first son, Justice, I remember going into labor and telling myself that I can do anything for 24 hours. I can withstand anything for 24 hours because I know what's coming on the other side. And the reality is it ended up being 26 hours. Um, so I could do anything for 26 hours. Uh, I could endure the pain. I could endure just about anything because I knew I knew I had a hope of new life on the other side of the pain. And and we're reminded of Jesus' words at the beginning of his farewell to his followers when he told them that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also we are able to endure because we know what is coming. We know that Jesus is returning to the world and that he is recreating a new heaven and a new earth and his dwelling place is going to be with us and he is going to wipe away every tear. He's going to cause all suffering to end, for death to be no more, for darkness to be replaced with the unending light of God. Where justice, injustice will meet its final end, where corruption and war, lack will all give way to peace and wholeness. Jesus has overcome, his victory is already won, and we will see the effect of his victory in a little while. We can endure. So for all of the controllers out there, We can endure and have peace because we know that Jesus has overcome. And for those of us who who ignore, who bury our heads in the sand, Jesus tells us that we will have trials and sorrows. But the reality is we don't have to ignore 
the trials and the sorrow. We don't have to close our eyes and be blind to the evil in the world around us. We don't have to ignore the powers that are at work to corrupt creation. We don't ignore all that is opposed to Christ and his kingdom. Instead, instead, the call of Jesus for his followers is that we would be witnesses to him and his kingdom. We are not to be a people who hide away or ignore or abdicate responsibility. We are a people who have a calling on our lives. And the calling on our lives is to bear witness to a victorious Jesus who has defeated sin, who has defeated death, who has defeated evil, and whose kingdom is coming. And we are called to live in a community together, bearing witness to the life of God's kingdom. That we are to live together in a way that displays the reality of his coming kingdom. That, that our lives together would display to the world around us the, the coming kingdom. That it would be a foretaste. That it would give a glimpse of what's coming. That, that would be an outpost of the kingdom of God. And so we live in community as a redeemed people with a new ethic and a new morality, with selflessness and love, with justice and peace, with generosity and hospitality, with divided walls all broken down that used to divide us between races and ethnicities, between men and women. The dividing walls have been broken down um, that have divided us between the poor and the powerless and the rich and the powerful, between native born and immigrant, between Democrat and Republican. The walls have come down and we are to live in this reality. We live together and our lives display the characteristics of the kingdom of God. And when our lives display that, when we give witness to this reality, the true reality of Jesus as king, then we are inviting the world out of darkness and into the light of Christ and into a kingdom, a generous kingdom, a peaceable kingdom, a forgiving kingdom, a kingdom of abundance, a kingdom of justice, a kingdom of hope, a kingdom where all are cared for, none are overlooked, where all life is truly valued, a kingdom where we don't have to compete for resources, and so we are free to generously give to all who are in need. A kingdom where enemies lay down their weapons and become siblings. This is the reality that we are to live in. This is the reality that we are to display to the world around us. And so followers of Jesus, we must live in a way that will display this truth. We aren't the ones to control the outcome of world events. We aren't the ones that are to, to hide away, ignoring the pain around us. Instead, we have been given a call, a call to live a different life, giving witness to a new way of life, giving witness to Jesus victorious, overcoming the world that is passing away. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. 
Here on earth you may have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, I have overcome the world. May we live in such a way that we would give testimony to the reality of Jesus' victory. We can have peace even when we don't have control because Jesus has overcome the world. We don't have to sit around waiting for his final return because he has called us to our task in the meantime to be witnesses both with our words and with our life, giving testimony to the coming kingdom of God, giving testimony to Jesus victorious over the kingdom of this world that is even now passing away. Amen.